um, facilitate a parent uh, support community. Um, and we're starting to see even our, our, our kids, like our teens, really redefine for themselves what transition is going to look like, right? Um, and so it's been, I think, as, as, cis, as cisgendered parents who are watching and learning from our children, it's been really kind of, I don't even know, but it's they've blown my mind a couple times where I'm like, that is amazing. Like, it, it's amazing to have the agency and the self-awareness at such a young age and to have the confidence because they're being loved and affirmed to say, that doesn't feel good for me. I am a trans male, but maybe I don't want A, B, and C to happen, right? Like, I feel comfortable with certain parts of my body. I feel uncomfortable with other parts of my body. And to have that conversation not be around the binary of gender has been really, um, I don't even know the appropriate word. I, I'm, I appreciate being able to like learn from them and to see um, the way in which their expression will differ and be varied and like what the future could potentially look like, right? Because I think as just people, we don't even question that. Like I often say like I wear men's clothing often. Like I love like bougie wear. I don't, I don't, I, I just like love like, I don't know, like I'll wear sweats, like things that are masculine and then I love to put like an effeminate flair. Oblivion, right? And so I wonder if 
a lot of that anger comes from that space when we hear people that, that really are anti-transgender uh, people and anti-kind of the social change, social norms, and, ch and the changing and how rapidly it's changing has more to do with, like, this idea of, like, I don't know, you're the sociologist, but this idea of, like, why I didn't get to or, you know, this, like, internalized things that we all dislike. You know, people dislike themselves, so that internalization of seeing somebody else get to explore and find joy in, like, creating definitions without needing to conform to anyone. I'm wondering, like, how much of that plays into what we see today. Now I'm just rambling, but I hope you guys... <laughs> of all of that is the understanding of there's 
dicks and their straws. And trans people are like, well, kind of, sort of, maybe. <laughs> and when you, you start from that point, you're, you've just undermined everybody's entire worldview. Because just just moving forward, you know, you're supposed to, to grow up, you're supposed to be an adult, as an adult man, you're supposed to have these responsibilities. As an adult woman, you're supposed to have these responsibilities. And that includes how we record, how we do everything. Our entire lives are ultimately built around these structures. And then, of course, we're supposed to meet and fall in love or whatever, and we get married, and we punch out a bunch of little babies, and we make, train them to be the exact same way, and we just undermine that whole deal there. The whole thing is gone, because trans people don't really care about those roles. We might love to get married, but it might be, you know, seven of us in one marriage. <laughs>
there is enough proximity to a marginalized person for people to say, I know so-and-so, and now we see some level of progress, right? You, both of you that have been in the advocacy world for so long, do you see that? Do you see massive strides, or do you still think that there's a long way to go? Both. Yeah. <laughs> so keep in mind, um, I started my my activist era, so to speak, uh, just before um, the single largest betrayal I can think of um, in years happened within the LGBT community. Um, and really, while I had to hone much of my understanding and argumentation and everything else prior to that, that was when it became a, a huge challenge that sparked an immense level of uh, advocacy and, and activism uh, stemming out of 2007, which really coincided, of course, with the 2008 election and everything else. Um, and that, that has changed a lot of things for the better. But before that, that point, when, when we finally started getting some federal changes that were coming in, things were much, much worse. Much, much worse. Um, the people who are transitioning now are like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. And I'm like, we couldn't do that ever. <laughs> and you're complaining you can't do it because this one thing makes you feel like you should. <laughs> That's okay, I'm not blaming you. But, but yeah, I mean, it's infinitely better. That the insurance point I like to point out is a, is a big key. I'm in a position where the, the organization I'm working for is helping trans people to go and get a surgery that my entire brain keeps thinking you need to save $35,000 for. And how much do they need to save? They need to save it up for a hotel room for their, whoever's going to take care of them. That's what they need to save. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I would kill for that. Um, and and I'm, I'm good with it. You know, there's there's a, a, a certain level of, of self-sacrifice that, that goes into some of that element. But just the thought that we can do that now, that we can actually go to some insurance companies in, in the best places, inevitably the coasts, which does not make me happy. I'm still a flyover country girl at heart. Um, but the, the fact that it can happen is a huge change. And the fact that particularly in, in some states, it's, it's happening because the state backs it, the state requires it, the state mandates it. That's a change that just cannot be underestimated and cannot be uh, overruled. It, it has to happen. So um, that's, a, that's a huge benefit to the overall population, and that's a, that's a big move. On the other hand, the simple fact that people still feel that they can engage in these behaviors, that the, the religious right is, is now using us as a wedge issue for the 2016 and 2020 elections, we're going to see it again in uh, probably 2024 still before it finally gives up. I mean, it took him 16 years to, to finally say, okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> and the last thing, um, but yeah, I mean, we're going to, it's ultimately going to be moving, but we still have a long way to go. Um, I'm old. I, as I've said before, I was born in 1965. That's before Loving versus Virginia. And I'm a mixed race person. So 
it because I'm the product of this situation. Um, So, and that was also just around the same time we're seeing the 1964 Civil Rights Act passed. And some other things. and, you know, so I grew up seeing those changes come through and come about, and that just, just growing up in it is one thing, but then I'm, I'm also a study, a student of, of that kind of structure and how it permeates society. You know, that's, that's 20 years that it took those, those major things to move throughout the, the society to the things we now take for granted, even though it, it hasn't changed racism, it hasn't changed stuff, but without those that 20 years there would have been no okay bad choice i was going to say cosby show um <laughs> but at the same time while he may not have been a great role model as an individual the show is still an outstanding show and represented something that had never been able to be seen before if you go back just a little bit to, to the last possible version of that and you have a, of a successful black family and you have uh george lamisi and that's not exactly the most awesome portrayal uh, because it was done for Fox Network. And well, there's still a lot of good stuff in there. It, you know, the comparison is really apt for how much the societal changes have happened in the time. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's we do still have a long way to go. Um, we've made a lot of major changes, uh, and a lot of them are being undone. But the nice thing is, is if we all get together and engage. Um, our, our, our systems of self-governance uh, that we can make a change so that no matter what they get undone, again, if, because keep in mind all of these are actions that are done by policy and essentially being done by fiat. We have the Equality Act that it could go through if we manage to maintain the House and Senate um, and it, it doesn't matter who gets the, the big office because if the House and Senate put it through, they're going to sign it. As long as we can kill uh, the, the Senate Majority Leader at this time, we're good. So, I'm, I mean, there's excellent options, uh, outstanding opportunity, and it will happen soon. Whether or not anybody really wants to deal with that afterwards, it's a whole other set of, of work and effort and ideas, and that's what the generation is going to have to deal with that we're looking at and talking about now. I think I also look at, on a personal level, especially with the younger, the, the younger folk, because um, I'm old too. Um, is that old are you? Uh, old are you? I, I was born the year after you. Um, I'm still a child. Okay, just checking. <laughs> so, I, there, most of the kids I talk to nowadays, for example, so I ask everyone, now, I mean, we were taught when I was in med school, you ask, do you have sex with boys, girls, or girls? And now it's um, asking, who do you have sex, who do you have sex with, who do you have crushes on? But also, how do you identify yourself? And I have not had one kid who freaked out on that question and said, how dare you ask me that? Um, I've had the kids who will laugh and be like, come on, I'm a guy. And I've had the kids who will say, I'm really glad you asked me that because I'm a friend. And so that's wonderful. That's a huge advancement. But then I look on the flip side at the murders of transgender women of color. Yeah. And that was one person doing that um, in, each, in, in each situation. One person killed another person. 
it's part of a societal structure that's been set up that we have got we've got to change because I mean I you know inventing a new way of doing fashion or doing something with the space program um, that they are fully capable of doing what they're doing instead of having to spend their time thinking how do I not get killed yes no one should have to go through that and I know we've made huge progress on that for gay white men um, I mean, we it's been a long time since Matthew Shepard um, and I remember that I remember being terrified after that and nowadays I don't feel terrified quite as often um, it's a lot fewer situations where I feel like I'm at that big of a risk and so it is it's, it's this whole duality of on the one hand wow huge acceptance on the other hand huge risk uh, it's so that's why when I talk about progress, it's difficult. Yeah. Well, even in, you know, even in the height of like Me Too, I remember when I turned 35, I'm 40 now, but I remember turning 35 and being like, oh, my chances of getting raped or assaulted have gone down to like 4%. Like, how incredible is that? I think we don't realize how... Um, against people is something that we've normalized in a lot of ways and I think that's something that we're going to have to as human beings break down and I don't know how we would do that but listening to you both I can think about ways in which violence and bias and um, hate is kind of normalized like that becomes kind of for example like I can just share with my family when I came out with Daniel they were like wow you're making things harder what about his safety what about and safety becomes this conversation because violence is such is the is something that we know exists and is normalized and how you push back on that and I think I, I, I come to all of this without having answers but I can empathize with what you are both saying in terms of seeing progress but then understanding that violence still exists in these spaces it's hard you mentioned how, how do we, we fix the issue with violence and the, the answer to that question is um, we actually have to get people to understand what violence is most people in the United States of America have absolutely no clue how to define violence. If you can't define it, you know, if you can only describe it, like, oh, well, it's when you punch somebody or when you do this. It, yeah, if you can't get to the problem, if you can't identify the problem, and people can't don't understand what violence is and how it's created, and so it needs to move on from there. Once we achieve that, keep in mind there's been a definition that's still new. Two thousand and two is still new, but we need to bring that definition into the, the general community and the general public and, and educate people on what it means to be to deal with violence and what violence is. Yeah. Are we gonna solve that today? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not today. Unfortunately.
I wish we could. It's something that I think, I think it would make all the difference in, so no, I, I usually, every, I find that like, and it could be like the pandemic too, that we're in the middle of this thing, but I, but for the last like, or maybe it was before when I was just feeling um, tired, um, I was feeling a little fatigued with a lot of the stuff that I was working on. I find that like I end up having more questions than solutions. Um, so I'm not helpful in this space right now either. But I appreciate your thoughts. Being able to ask the question points you towards the solution. Yeah, definitely. I can't tell you how much I've appreciated talking to both of you today. It's been, I've learned a lot. And I think we've touched on really interesting, I hate to use the word interesting, but I'm like, we've gotten into, we've gotten into the weeds a little, and I like that. Um, it's like a guarantee if you call me and we just sort of ramble, I'm going to take you in paths. You're going to be like, oh, crap. I like it. <laughs> I'm like, <"Whoa." laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a standard rule that I try to explain to everybody at least once in a great while, which is that, there is no issue that is not trans-related. And if you don't believe me, start asking me how to help you. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, it's so wonderful to like, talk to people that are willing to be, like to just get uncomfortable and to talk and to question and to explore. I like it. I'm into it. So we're at the point in the podcast where we ask the inevitable, and I don't know if Drew prepared you for this, but we always end this podcast with two things. One would be, the first one being, uh, Antonia, if you could give list three things that you would want an ally to do, like three simple things that an ally could do to make life better for LGBTQIA people, what would those three things be? And then the second would be someone or someone that inspires you. Okay, I'll answer the second one first because that was easy. Um, it's every uh, trans activist that came before me. Um, it's a cheat, but it's the truth. <laughs> my, my love of people in general is, is rather immense, and trying to select one person who I'm going to admire above all is, for me, um, always an exercise in futility since all your faves are problematic and mine tend to be more problematic than most. Um, for the other ones, the three things that an ally can do. The first is put themselves at risk. But it's, a, it's, a, it's an easy thing to say, but it's the hardest of all those things I'm going to talk about because when I say put yourself at risk, I mean be willing to risk your job, be willing to risk your professional reputation, be willing to, to risk your life. Because if you can't take it that far, you're actually not really an ally. You're not putting yourself beside the people you're, you're walking with. You're putting yourself behind them so they get the bullets and all the other stuff. The next thing is, is um, never speak on behalf of trans people. Let them speak for themselves. That can sometimes be hard. One of the nicest things about Dr. Stein is, is um, they asked him to create this program, and the first thing he said was, I don't know how to do that. 
others, but I, I don't think I can say them in a public forum like this. My language is not always pristine. That either is mine. It's okay. <laughs> Thank you.